Welcome to this new episode of the Give, Receive, Improve podcast with Lisa Lam and Sawana Ali. In this episode, we will be talking about integrity. Essentially, how integrity secures your leadership influence. Essentially, we want to be able to answer two key questions. And they are one, what is integrity? And two, how can we establish and maintain integrity? So let's get going. So to answer the first question of what is integrity, I think integrity in its simplest definition is being consistent with what you say and what you do. So if you were to break it down to any formula as an example, it would be what you say or what you commit to, plus whether you do it or not, and that equals to alignment of action and words. But integrity doesn't just stop there. So it doesn't just mean a one-time act of saying something or committing to something and doing it once. But in fact, it is about doing it over and over and over again, or essentially being consistent. So we need to also be conscious of the element of consistency as part of integrity. And so I think we all know what is the impact of personal integrity. So when someone has integrity, we know that that person is automatically trustworthy because they're consistent. Um, and Sal, you can help me here is, what happens if there is a lack of integrity? Thanks, Lisa, for that great sharing. I like the way you define integrity as we talked about before. Integrity is the cornerstone of leadership and it's very important. And of course, it starts with you first, personally. In the context of what happened with the absence or lack of integrity, I, I need to share a couple of observations. And this is what we call the white-collar crime, which basically involves it, illegal accounting practices, security fraud, extortion, or embezzlement, for instance. And in the early 2000s, um, a couple of observations that I've had is, number one, a, this very huge energy company called Enron, which basically has about 100 billion US dollars revenue. And Fortune voted Enron as the America's most innovative company. But what happened was the CEO and his team practically hit billions of that by practicing illegal accounting procedures together with their accounting company, together with Arthur Anderson. So in this scenario, what we have learned is the outcome was really horrendous in the perspective that even today, there is no more Arthur Anderson and the CEO and team were particularly jailed because of this illegal fraud. And this is an example of integrity at the highest level and the impact that it can bring to the organization when there is lack of integrity or the absence of integrity. And the second example that I want to share is really um, a telecommunication company also in the early 2000s. And the company is Wellcom. And at that point in time, the telecommunication industry is experiencing a very slow traction and the stocks of the company was really tanking. And what happened was the leadership team practically also decided to take up the, the wrong path by doing illegal accounting procedures and deceive the board of directors in terms of the structure of the reporting. What they have done is really they inflate the revenue and they decrease the cost 
and the outcome of that is certainly an accumulated loss of about $3.8 billion or so. And at the end of the day, the leadership team also were basically found fraudulent in this scenario and, and basically end up in a 25-year jail sentence. So this is a couple of examples on when there is no integrity, what can happen to companies or organizations. The key message that we learned from here is certainly a, a big, a huge multi-billion dollar company can practically vanish in no time. You can lose shareholder values in no time. And the worst part of all is this innocent, hardworking, honest employees can lose their jobs as well. So Lisa, on the flip side, if that's from the context of organization, what can we have if we practice integrity in the real sense? What's the impact to the organization from that perspective? Thanks, Sal, for that sharing. It's uh, always good to know in terms of um, you know, the negative impact, and I think we have all experienced that. But to also look at what is the positive benefits or positive impact of integrity in action. So I think one of the things that is most obvious when integrity is in uh, practice or being practiced is you will see a team or the environment of a team that has three key elements. One is trust. There is trust between uh, the team members with the manager. With trust comes a sense of security. You feel secured in that environment. And in that, and once you feel secured and once you have a trust environment, that is an environment where it promotes inspiration to do your best work. Now, the reason for that is fairly simple. We, by default, want to be in an environment that we feel safe. And when we feel safe, we know we are more relaxed, we are more creative, and we're more innovative in that process. Now, if you were in an environment where there's no integrity, or there's no trust, or uh, you don't feel a sense of security in the sense that you look at all your peers or your team members as enemies or as competitors, as opposed to team members, the way you work will be very different. Now, if you view every part of, or every member of your team as an enemy, because you don't trust them, you are certainly not gonna be doing your best work you are certainly not going to be inspired to come up with new innovative ideas or to even share it with the organization. And on the other hand, if you are in an environment where you, there is trust, where you do feel a sense of security, and you, therefore you're inspired to do your best work, you know that as a team, you're very strong. And you know that you're basically performing at your absolute best. So integrity is at the center of creating an environment within the team and organization that promotes trust, security, and inspiration. Leading to that, we also then see common practice that takes place. Most managers or most leaders are promoted to their position because of their past performance or their results. However, once you get to that position, once you are a manager or a leader, in order for you to be successful, it is no longer just about the results, but it's about how did you get those results. And therefore, integrity plays a very big part in how do we get the results. For example, you can get a sales deal non-compliantly, or you could get a sales deal 
compliantly. So those are the areas that as a leader, you need to be conscious of because one of the things that we need to realize is integrity as a core value takes a long time for you to build because it requires consistency. But it is a core value that you can lose very quickly. And once you have lost integrity, as an example, or trust, or respect, it is very difficult for you to ever recover it. In fact, in some cases, you probably will never recover it to the level that you had before the downfall. So because of that, you have to be very conscious of your personal integrity and what that leads to. So just to summarize quickly, the impact of integrity is you will be able to create an environment within your organization that has trust, that has a sense of security, and that is able to inspire the people around you to do their best work. So Sel, coming back to you know, the challenges of an organization, what are some of the barriers or challenges when it comes to living out integrity? Thanks, Lisa, for sharing. I like your example. And true enough, I totally agree that integrity would basically be the center stage of an organization and it's pretty much needed. You basically build trust, inspiration and influence from that perspective. And as far as barriers are concerned, there are three key barriers that organizations typically face. The first and foremost is the pressure to perform. All of us work in an organization and we're measured on specific key performance indicators, which basically ties into our compensation. And the test of integrity, the easiest place to find an example of this is in the sales department. See, the thing about sales is we practically have a quota, an annual quota, which then is broken down into a monthly and quarterly quotas or projections. And the task of, uh, and the task of every salesperson is to ensure that these numbers are met month in and month out. Say, for instance, you're having some problems and for the first two, three, four months, you miss the target on a monthly basis. The fifth month, the pressure will typically come because you can lose your job anytime. And it doesn't help if you have a boss who gives you a strong statement such as, I don't care how you get it, but it has to happen end of this month. Or yes, and we do just, hear that quite a lot, don't we? Yeah, and just do it. I don't, I don't care how you do it as long as we get the results by the end of the month. Well, theoretically, Theoretically, of course, the boss is feeling the pressure too, but by giving that kind of statement, it creates fear in the salesperson and the need to perform would basically test his or her core belief and, and conscience on whether or not to do or not to do the right thing. And this is when the real test comes into the picture and the danger is you cannot start doing it once. The moment you do it once, it's easier to do it the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth time. And it can be a culture of non-compliance from that perspective. And the way salespeople, uh, the way salespeople are rated monthly based on the, those performance, you have basically some organizations treat it like booking orders or sales orders based on the orders that you receive. They basically recognize that as your achievement. But the organizations who basically just take it from the perspective of revenue and or collections, unless you get those 
money collected, you're not really recognized. So it depends again on the measurement that can make it even double down the kind of pressure that this person faces. So this is a typical scenario in any organizations for that matter, I believe maybe from industry perspective, it's slightly different in terms of the numbers, but there's always an exposure to the malpractice of, of trying to get things done, which at the end of the day describes the absence of integrity or the barriers on why integrity is hard to do for people who definitely need to perform on month in and month out basis. So that's number one, the pressure to perform. Number two is system drives behavior. In many organizations or almost all organizations, we particularly are looking at on the financial results more than anything. Nobody really care too much about business ethics. The things that we always hear or get pressure on is really where are the numbers. So the system is as such and how we are compensated is always based on the numbers that we bring into the company. So for that reason, the priority is very clear. It's all about the financial results. The rest becomes secondary. So that's why I believe that system drives behavior. If system drives behavior can potentially inject the barrier to integrity. And the third reason is what I call the lack of value-driven culture. See, we have values in any organization for that matter, but do we walk the talk? See, when you have strong statement from your boss saying that, hey, just do it any, at any cost, just get it by the end of this month at no cost, I don't care how you do it, I don't want to know as long as you bring in the numbers, that clearly indicates that the leadership do not really care about the ethics side of the business or even the values of integrity. So these are another barrier to integrity and why it is very difficult to practice integrity in a true sense. And daily, people are exposed to this and they need to make some very hard decisions. So from that perspective, we saw these are the three key barriers that I can sum up that really come on top of my head based on my personal experience working in the corporate world. And uh, if you have any other, uh, feel free to add. That would be a, a great conversation to have. And which brings me to the next point. I'm just curious, how do we establish and maintain integrity from your point of view, Lisa? Yeah, thanks, Al, for that sharing. And I think it's safe to say it's not just the sales team that faces pressure to deliver numbers. And, you know, I think, um, I think part of the sad reality is, you know, we have lots of jokes around, you know, car sales dealers and how untrustworthy they are, or in general, just, you know, any salesperson, because we kind of have this perception that they're not, they're not honest, or they're just trying to make a buck, right? And I think like what you've correctly pointed out, a lot of it has to do with the pressure to perform and how they're compensated and rewarded. And in fact, which lends to this core issue, which is around, you know, what the manager says, for example, like what you said, I don't care how you do it, just bring in the deal. That implies in itself, throw out all core values. Mm. But then in the next meeting, when everything is fine, they'll probably say, but make sure it is compliant. <laughs> yes <laughs> right and then you get all these people who are generally confused now do I do this compliantly or you know at all costs do I bring in this deal 
So I think that sometimes as managers, we need to be conscious of the conflicting messages that we could be giving our people, mm, you know, yes. especially when we're all under pressure. But like you said, that is where integrity comes up. We only find out, you know, of certain valuable gems, like a diamond under pressure. And so integrity mm. is one of those values or attributes that you can only really find once you are under pressure and how do you respond to it. So going back to your question is how can we establish or how can we create and maintain integrity from a personal perspective? Like what I've said earlier, essentially integrity is about being consistent with what you say and what you do. So therefore the first part of the equation is what you say. And sometimes saying less is better. Committing to less is actually better, uh, mainly because then there's less things for you to deliver. But more importantly, it's because there are less things for you to remember to do. Now, I don't know about you, but as I've aged or with every passing year, my memory challenges seems to be greater. And therefore, I think a great best practice for anyone, whether you're old or not, is to write down. So anytime you're talking to a customer or a client or making any sort of commitment, write it down. Write down what you've committed to. So that is one way for you to make sure that, you know, it doesn't fall through the cracks in terms of the memory, uh, memory black hole. The second part of it is how do you then do it? Now, since you've written it down, you then have to action it. And so as part of actioning it, it has to be part of your normal routine on how do you get things done? So whether you schedule time to do it, you have a session that you will review, a regular review sessions of the commitments that you've made, uh, having checkpoints in place, and then making sure that once you've completed it or once you've closed the commitment, make sure that you, you are able to communicate it back to the person that you've made the commitment to. And because it's something that you have to do consistently, it has to be a routine or a habit that you're able to actually do on a daily basis. And so one of the great practice is on a daily basis, make sure you just have you know, half an hour or an hour of your calendar blocked out to do some of these action items or an action item time slot that you would give yourself at the end of the day or at the start of the day to make sure you get it done. So in summary, how do you establish and maintain integrity is to remember what your commitments are. So write them down. To do them, which means create an action plan and to set up routines in your schedule so that you're able to consistently action on it. So what about from an organization perspective? How would you go about establishing that self? Thank you for the question, Lisa. And again, I like your pointers on personal development or personal ways, personal methods to basically inculcate integrity in our own system. As far as organization is, is concerned, I think potentially there are probably four key pointers that we can consider. Number one is really to lead by example. If you are in the leadership team, you really need to walk the talk. You need to embrace integrity together with your leadership team. And for every opportunity that you have, you have to show it and demonstrate that you value those attributes. So, and talk about it with your people. Share certain scenarios on what will happen if certain things happen. And so there are two prong approach that you can consider. Number one is really to drive the message that crime doesn't pay. And if anyone commit or anyone doesn't practice integrity, there are certain repercussions that you basically take an action on. 
and following up to that is really you need to punish perpetrators accordingly. What exactly do we mean by this? What we mean, what we mean by this is really you cannot practice favoritism. For instance, you may have this top superstar performer who happens to who happens to to do something wrong in relation to integrity and you need to practically take action. But just because this person has been a performer for the past five or six years, you kind of favorite and puts a different kind of judgment or outcome or results to the kind of evaluation that he's facing. That will not go very well with the rest of the team members. So you need to be very consistent in terms of applying the standards and the potential repercussion of every action that any employee for that matter does, as well as members of your, your leadership team. And I think that's a very important message that you need to lead by example. And uh, the second thing is really you want to basically spread the message of the importance of integrity and how practically to practice it. And the best way to do that is to really have many agents doing it and one key way of doing that is really by hiring the right people so just hiring managers with integrity whoever doesn't have integrity they are not your hire for sure make it as simple as that so that's point number two and point number three is about championing transparency so how do we champion transparency the key thing is we need to always talk about it repetitively just like an advertisement because people need to be reminded. So do not get bothered or feel tired by repeating the same message all the time. You can do it in many ways. You can create interesting videos, based, scenario-based videos that make it very creative and interesting, giving certain messages. For instance, if you're not supposed to give gift to vendors, so what kind of interesting video you can create from there. So there are many different scenarios that you would anticipate that your employees would be facing and create those type of messages in different formats so that it becomes interesting for you to, to share those kind of potential repercussion in the event that they practice, in the event that they, they, they're not compliant to the kind of standard that you put forward. So that's, that's uh, on talking about it. The second pointer is really about creating your own ethical See, what typically happens is we can kind of search on Google and find templates on <laughs> code of ethics for our organization and just get employees to check the box and put our logo on it, for instance. Please do not do that. The best way is really to create your own code so that you internalize it. It comes from your own brain cells, so to speak. And it should be unique for your organization. That way, it's easy for you to practice it, make it easy and clear can be scenario-based rather than putting it like a legal wording practices because from the legal perspective, the objective is different. It's about protecting companies from liabilities. Whereas in this scenario, you're trying to encourage people to practice integrity. So you make it, you should make the message easy and clear for them to apply in their own specific role. So that's uh, the second point uh, within championing transparency and the third point is you need to provide a clear way to report violation. Again, this is really a, a system that you can create, make it simple for people to, to 
to easily report whenever they see some kind of non-compliance happening. And the more important thing here is really for you to ensure that it's a safe place for them to report violation. So you need to be clear in terms of the policy and governance as far as how do you treat these reports? How will you protect someone who could be a whistleblower in this scenario? So there must be a, a very well thought out process before you come up with all this. But the key message is really for you to create your own and make sure that you cover the entire process from end to end. The fourth key pointer is really to create a decision-making process that inhibit illegal practices of integrity. And the way to do that is basically to have a group decision-making process rather than an individual decision-making process. So you make sure any key important decision that needs to be derived are done in a group where people can basically challenge each other's opinions, views, and really evaluate key criteria of acceptance in a very diligent manner and debate about it, and then come up with a group decision rather than an individual decision. And when a group makes a decision, the leadership team has to honor it, has to respect it, and has to support it, even if it means some adverse financial implication. So that's basically what be a true test of integrity. Well, so those are the four key pointers in terms of in terms of getting integrity stick from the from the organizational context. And the four that I talk about is number one, lead by example, number two, hire managers with integrity, number three, championing transparency, and number four creating a decision-making process that inhibits illegal practices of integrity. So that's kind of sum it up. Do you have anything to add, Lisa, at this point in time? No, Sal, I think you've covered it really well in terms of how as an organization, we can create environment that would uphold the value of integrity. So I think at this juncture, it's a great time for us to summarize what we have covered today. So number one, integrity is about being consistent with what you say and what you do. And in order for you to do that, it's important to just practice uh, certain good habits or routines, for example, writing down what you've committed to, having an action plan and scheduling time to do it, and then cycling back to the person that you've made the commitments to. And obviously being consistent about that whole process. Secondly, being conscious or aware of some of the barriers that do exist in any organizations today. And that essentially is around the things that Cell has covered around the pressure to perform an organization where the systems drives the behavior, especially around, for example, compensation plans, and an organization which essentially would also lack values uh, in, as part of their culture. So be aware of that. And in terms of what you've just covered, Sal, in terms of how do we establish organizational integrity, like what you've correctly mentioned, it's about leading by example, hiring correctly, or hiring the right profiles of the right people, being transparent, and obviously having decision-making process that is compliant-based or as part of a group decision-making process. And lastly, it, I think it's a great reminder that managers or people who are promoted get to that position because of results and performance, but what keeps them there and what maintains their position or their influence is this core value of integrity. 
As always, we hope that you've learned at least one thing that you're able to apply. As always, please subscribe, share, and like this podcast. And if you need more information, check out lisalamcoach.com and sawanaali.com. Thank you and take care. And remember, you're not alone in your journey as a manager. Mm-hmm.